Hello, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. The Ringer is launching a new podcast feed called Boom Bust, a new hub for narrative podcasts documenting the rise and fall of companies, celebrities, and trends. Season one, hosted by our own Alyssa Bereznak, takes you through this spectacular journey of HQ trivia, the once $100 million industry-altering company turned disaster. Alyssa interviewed dozens of former employees, investors, journalists, and fans, bringing you the behind-the-scenes story of how HQ crumbled from within. Subscribe to Boom Bust HQ Trivia and check out the first two episodes out now on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Football podcast on the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Danny Heifetz and I'm joined as always, almost always, by my co-host and my co-Danny, the hero we need and the analyst we deserve, the Dark Knight himself, Danny Kelly. How was vacation, DK? It was lovely. It was a very good little staycation. Didn't obviously didn't get to go to Barbados or anything fun like that, but uh <laughs> But yeah, it was good. It was relaxing, and I feel energized. I'm ready. I'm ready for the rest we of the We missed you season. dearly. Craig and I were just... I appreciate we, that. We were absent of meaning. We were trying to touch the void, <laughs> and you failed. Just rudderless. Yeah. And you clearly listened to the show, because I think I said you were in Barbados, and that is what you just brought up right now. So look at you. I listened to uh, probably the first half of it, and then I think I got distracted doing something else. But good job. <laughs> yeah, good I, job, I, fellas. I appreciate you guys picking up the slack for me. I'll take half. That's pretty good. <laughs> I'm thinking of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, just carrying your load. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you'd say? All right. Let's get on. Let's move on. Well, Craig, how are you doing? Craig, did you get a haircut? Uh, yes, I did a haircut at home. You did the haircut? My girlfriend and I did. How'd it go? Not too bad. Uh, we just got some like shears at Kohl's. They like drive out. They, you drive up. They give you the, the hair clippers. They just run out, drop it in your back seat. Bought some <laughs> shears. Went home. A nice. couple YouTube tutorials. Didn't touch the top because it's kind of scary. We just did the back and the sides. <laughs> Any fading? There's no fading happening? There's there? some fading right yeah, on the okay. edges, but the top, top, I don't really know what I'm doing. Yeah, that's fair. It looks wonderful. Thanks. It does look okay. good. This is an exciting episode. We're going to do a very, 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 very early version. It's not that early. Our guys. It's almost it's June. It's not early. It's early. June is fantasy season. It's just early. <laughs> yeah, we're doing my guys. These are the guys we are higher on than everyone else. These are the people we are not leaving our drafts without. These are the guys we think could be league winning picks. So, DK, yeah. who's your league winner first up this year? So this guy, he's not a secret by any means. And I think he doesn't really necessarily fit exactly what you just said. But I'm trying to leave as many drafts as I can with Tyree Kill of the Chiefs. Because I think he's going to have, he's in line for potentially a massive, massive bounce back season this year after finishing a disappointing wide receiver 32 last season in 12 games. He, he was injured. I think he had a hamstring injury that kind of cropped up and, and he, he wasn't really fully healthy for a couple of the other games that he was actually playing in. Um, but I think if you look back two seasons when he was uh, the wide receiver three overall in 2018 in 16 games, I think Hill has a chance to not only lead the NFL in touchdowns, but could potentially lead the NFL in yards. Like if the Chiefs, have the type of bounce back season offensively that I think they could, especially Mahomes, just because I think Mahomes is due for some positive touchdown regression. He might not throw 50 
like he did a couple of years ago. But he's definitely, I I believe, going to do. He's going to fare a lot better than he did last season when he was battling multiple injuries throughout the season. So, what makes you think the Chiefs are going to have a big bounce back season? Because I believe I can't remember. I think they won the what's it called, the Super Bowl, <laughs> the Super Bowl. So why yeah, do you think they'll be well, better this year on offense? If you look at what they did offensively, it was it was certainly well well short of what they did in 2018. Obviously, when Mahomes just went ballistic on everybody, but um, I think assuming he can stay healthy, which I'm not going to try and predict who can stay healthy, who's going to get injured. Um, I think Hill is going to just go off the season and I want to have every piece of that Chiefs offense that I can and I think Hill has a chance to be one of the top receivers in the NFL this year in fantasy. So he is a guy that I'm willing to reach a little bit on. Right now he's, he's so right now he's the wide receiver for uh, per fantasy pros ADP and PPR. That's a consensus ADP. So obviously he's he's going high. He's in the first round but I'm willing to reach a little bit on him just because I think he's got a really good chance to be one of the top fantasy receivers this year fourth receiver so when you say reach you're saying michael thomas is your number one are you saying tyree kill is too like do you have him over deandre hopkins and Devontae adams and julio i think i would so i would have michael thomas and then i would have i think it's a little bit more it's, it's a little closer between Devontae adams and tyree kill than i think some people might make it out to because i know that Devontae adams is some people's wide receiver one going into this season but I look at what the Packers are going to do offensively. It just feels like they want to pare everything down and, and be a very slow run-oriented game, run-oriented team. I know that Devontae Adams is going to get a huge, huge number in, in terms of the percentage of the, the passing volume. But I don't know. I just feel like Hill has a chance to just um, not only get a huge percentage of the, the Chiefs passing offense, but that Chiefs passing offense just could you know score way, way more points. So... I would consider him with the wide receiver two spot, but certainly wide receiver three for me. All right. A guy that I think is going to have a huge share of the Eagles rushing offense. My 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 guy, this first guy this year is Miles Sanders on the Eagles. Just when I was just scrolling through and you're looking at the top 10, top 20, top 30, 50, the name that just keeps jumping out at me as the person that you're I see as a top five guy next year is Sanders. He's I mean, he's Penn State running back who what's the line of succession after Saquon Barkley. Eagles took him last year. He was really good as a rookie. He set the franchise rookie record with 1,327 yards in 2019. And then Rich, uh, Rich Rebar noted that he did that without playing 50% of the Eagles snaps in a game until week 11. That's mind-blowing, 1,300 yards without yeah. playing half the snaps in a game until week 11. So you take that, and then you take how freaking hurt the Eagles were last year. And how their receiving core still has so many questions going into the season. Sanders is so good in the passing game. I think he's going to be a huge part of the receiving game. And he doesn't have a ton of competition in the backfield yet. Right now, it's just him and Boston Scott, who we love Boston Scott on this podcast. <laughs> the massive caveat here is they might sign a veteran. They might sign Devontae Freeman or God knows who. And that would obviously knock him down. But as of this moment, I think right now he is one of the few people who might be able to crack that 60% bell cow territory is going to get a ton of snaps. And I think that if you're taking someone who's going around the end of the second, third round, I love the idea of Miles Sanders as like your second running back, maybe. And then you could end up with two top five guys. If they end up signing a Devontae Freeman, all bets are off and we'll have to reassess that in August. But love Miles Sanders, baby. I think Sanders is such an interesting one going into the season because I think there's the fantasy community is kind of split on him. Some people, I believe... You know, think that he's going to have just and based on Doug Peterson's kind of history, what the what the Eagles have said, what their front office has said in terms of what they want to do with the committee, a committee approach. I think a lot of people are a little bit afraid that 
he's getting overhyped right now because they're gonna. Well, because of me, I'm overhyping. <laughs> um, I tend, I think, I tend to lean though with you though. I think he has that potential to finally launch into that elite tier of, of running backs like with the Zeeks, with the Barkleys, with the Camaras. Um, you know, it, what he showed as a rookie was incredible. Like he was running vertical routes up the sideline, catching these really deep passes. What he can do as a pass catcher, I think, makes him that much more exciting than say like a guy like Chubb who's probably going to not get a ton of passing game work. Um, so yeah, I think he's, he's, he's a controversial, I think pick or, or, you know, controversial subject among the fantasy community. But I, I think I lean with you on this one that he's, he's going to go off this year. Love Sanders. Gregorio, who's your guy this week year? Oh my God. Allen Robinson. <laughs> I love Allen Robinson this year. Um, he basically is the bears offense. Just collectively, it's just the Chicago <laughs> Allen Robinsons. He had 154 targets <laughs> the last Chicago year. Chicago Allen Robinsons. Um, 154 targets is the third most in the league. Um, seventh in red zone targets, sixth in air yards. Pretty much across the board, he's just an absolute stud. And going back to Penn State, so he's had Matt McGloin, Christian Hackenberg, Blake Bortles, and Mitchell Trubisky have thrown yeah, him the football. He, he, Allen Robinson is this generation's Larry Fitzgerald. Yes. And now he has Nick Foles, who, you know, has not only been to a Super Bowl, but has won one. He's not the greatest quarterback in the world, but he's he's certainly better than everybody on that list. So he's I think the greatest no quarterback in the history of Allen Robinson's quarterbacks yes. by so much. Oh my God, he's got the championship belt easy. So there's no reason for Allen Robinson to not have at least the exact same year or much better. They didn't do anything to replace Taylor Gabriel. And they've kind of a pretty weak receiving core outside of Allen Robinson. And lastly, it's contract year. And and that's my big thing this year. <laughs> love love guys going. I love guys going into a contract year. He's going to get a huge payday if he can replicate or or better the his twenty nineteen season. So absolutely love Allen Robinson this year. He's a baller. <laughs> DK scouting report on a Rob. He's a baller. That's my color. Commentary and he plays right a lot there. from the slot, which I also love. He's kind of just like the cornucopia of all the things I like. Contract year, athletic freak, plays in the slot. As you go through stats from last season, as you look ahead to this season, there's always a couple numbers that jump out at you. And Allen Robinson being third in targets kind of just like made my eyes pop. I was, I just, I forgot about that. And one fun so thing I, I was looking up pick. is Allen Robinson's really good at catching deep passes and jump balls. He caught one or two passes in the last two years of 40 plus yards on the Bears. One or two. And when he was on the Jags, his two healthy seasons, he caught like eight. So hmm. it's like, PFF called Trubisky. It says the best thing that can be said about Mr. Trubisky's deep passing is that it's no worse than his regular passing. So basically, he's <laughs> one of the worst deep ball passers in the league, and now he's getting Nick Foles, who is better. So it's really just all signs are pointing up for for Allen. I fell in love with A. Rob when someone at Jacksonville training camp took a video of him too in routes on the sideline, and he, Blake Bortles threw him a pass, and he just it's not even close, and he's like, just throw the shit in bounds, bro. And I was like, wow, <laughs> great guy. Okay. DK, Ouch. give us another one of your guys for this season. So another one that I'm going to be targeting really, really aggressively is Kenyon Drake from the Cardinals. Yes! Love Kenyon Drake. Wow. Love the Cardinals run game. I think, so right now he is the running back nine, the 14th overall per Fantasy Pros consensus PPR ADP. In other words, he is the ninth running back coming off the board in mock drafts and in drafts this year. So, but going... You know, going back to last year, based on what he did once he was traded to the Cardinals. So once he was traded to the Cardinals from week nine on, he was the RB4 in PPR. 
And if you this actually is when look he at it, took David Johnson out and like put him in David Johnson in his trunk and then drove <laughs> yeah. the car. Yeah, and he looked he looked amazing in that offense. He's just perfectly his skill set perfectly fits that offense. You know his why? Because he's got burst, good vision, good in the open field, good receiver. Um, what the Cardinals do is they scheme up their run game. So basically, what they do is they spread the field, they spread the defense thin, and then they use that as a as a tool for rushing efficiency. They were the number two ranked run game in DVOA last year per football outsiders, which which essentially tells you they're the the second most efficient run team. Um, I wouldn't say that they were the like most voluminous run game, but no, but um, it's still amazing that after all the talk about Cliff Kingsbury and passing and college yeah. air raid coming and all this stuff about four receiver sets, it's like the Cardinals, if you account for context, were one of the what you said, second or third best rushing offenses in football. Like yeah. Why did that happen and why will it happen again? Or do you think it'll happen again? So I think it happened basically because, like I said, they they scheme it up. They they force teams to play more too high looks, defend the run or defend the pass because you know they're they're spreading the field out there, passing aggressively downfield. Um, Drake actually encountered eight plus men in the box on just eight percent of his runs, which is one of the fewest, one of the wor- like lowest rates in the NFL. Wow. Um, this year, I could actually see that even you know drop a little bit more. Based on the fact that, you know, last year, if you remember early on in the season, the Cardinals were trying to run four wide receiver stuff early on in the season. They just didn't have the horses for it. Their receiver group was just a little too inexperienced, not good enough, you know. But if you're going forward into this year, they got D. Hopkins. Um, they have uh, yeah, a couple yeah, of young guys. About that. They have a couple of young guys potentially coming up in Andy Isabella. Some people still holding out hope, like me, for Hakeem <laughs> Butler. Um, you know, they, 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 they're going to have more depth this year at the receiver position. So they could potentially go out and run more four receiver sets, which could even give Drake even more advantageous boxes. And, and so I just really like Drake. Um, he averaged 15 carries a game for 80 yards, three and a half receptions over those eight games he played with the Cardinals last season. On a per game basis, he was actually the RB3. So this guy's being taken as the RB9, but he finished. The season, his time in Arizona, he was the RB three. So I don't know that that to me looks like great value. He has potential to just absolutely go off. Now, part of you know part of his final tally was amplified by a four touchdown game. Um, so he might not like that's be able called to carry a Julio it. Jones. <laughs> yeah, he might not be able to necessarily do that RB three rate the whole season. I mean, especially if he's only doing fifteen carries a game, but. Um, I think he has the potential to be very, very efficient and contribute both on the ground and as a receiver. I just think he's a perfect fit for this offense. And with David Johnson gone, he is the you know unquestioned lead back in that in that offense. If you have like the last pick in your draft in like a twelve or fourteen team league, going back to back, Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake would be would be the move. That would be like the young hip move, you know. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> now you can wait turn. on Miles, baby. But I love. The biggest, my only issue with Drake this year is I'm going to have to avoid all these dumb Drake puns that I'm tempted at every time. He's like, I love Drake. And I'm like, me too. What did you think of Dark Lane demo tapes? And that's, that's, other than that, everything's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, DK, he's like, yeah. DK's like, what language was that? <laughs> what the hell did Danny just say? Let's just I move think, on. Yeah. The running bit on this show is that I never get any of your Drake references, but I'm an old. So let's just continue on. Yeah. No, I love Drake in the Avengers. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so as I'm prepping for the season and you're looking through everything, a thing I keep coming back to is the Steelers sucked last year so much. And I think that it's kind of baked too much into 
the projections for 2020. I've, you know, I'm always dubious to look at average draft position in May because who the hell is how many people are really doing mock drafts in May compared to August when the data gets a lot better. But in mock drafts, I just feel like the Steelers are really undervalued this year because last year it was an absolute disaster. There's obviously Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt, elbow injury, and then they turned up Mason Rudolph and the Duck Hodges guy. Like again, the America's like most popular team or the third most popular team was starting a guy named Duck for like half the season. That happened in real life. And Mike Tomlin said something last year that I thought was really illuminating. He said, I'm quoting him. This is October 2nd. I think he said this. We're just in a fragile state right now. We need to do whatever it is we need to do to move the ball and win football games. When you've got a young quarterback, sometimes you can assist them by turning a 70 play game into a 50 play game. I think that that explains the entire Steelers season. They were like, shorten, shorten it. Don't screw up. That was what they wanted from the young quarterbacks. They're getting Roethlisberger back. They haven't really added a backup quarterback of note. I think that that shows that they are confident Ben will play this season and, and his elbow's okay. But I think that means they're going to go back to what they were trying to do last year and what they did in 2018 when Roethlisberger, I think, had the most pass attempts in football. But last year, again, to just show how bad they were, they were 31st in points per drive, 30th in yards per drive, 31st in plays per drive, 30th in drive success rate, 31st in touchdowns per drive. Jesus. Like 32nd in points per red zone appearance. That's not going to happen again. All of those numbers, even if they rebound to just league average, is such a massive increase for the Steelers' offense. So in terms of a specific player, I like Juju and James Conner. I like Juju just because I think that he's going to have a big target share of this team. Again, you look at 2018, he was fourth in targets. I think the only people ahead of him were like Michael Thomas, Julio, and Antonio Brown. Brown, obviously not in Pittsburgh anymore. He's Juju is the only guy who has a rapport with Roethlisberger. I, I, every, he, Craig, he's a contract year guy. I think everything is saying Juju. I mean, he had 70 targets last year because he also had injuries. I think he literally could double that almost come close to two and a half times what he had last year. And he's going like, you can get him in the third, fourth, late fourth round. I think that he could be a top 10, maybe a top five guy this year. And then James Conner, it's kind of the same story. He's a free agent next year. So he's in contract year. And, you know, he's not as secure as you want because Benny Snell is there. But other than Benny Snell, I think that James Conner is a guy that could just lead a back a backfield on a pretty productive offense. You can get outside the top 50. So Conner, Conner feels like a very good like gamble. He's not as expensive, obviously, as he was last year. Last year, he was like a first-round pick. He's fallen off the cliff for that. But now you can get him at a good you know, a good discount. And I think the, the Steelers ultimately still probably want to use him as the sustaining back, and, and they've always kind of had that philosophy where they want to have the guy that's in the game a lot. He's running a lot. He's starting to feel the flow of the game. He works in unison with his offensive line. I think they believe in all that stuff. So yeah, if, if you know, obviously there's a huge, huge caveat that he can't stay healthy. But if he if he can kind of buck that trend and stay healthy in 2020, then yeah, he's a. I think that's a really good gamble. Craig, you're the Steelers fan. What do you think of Juju and Connor contract year dudes? I think I like Juju more, but it's just scary because yeah. like Ben Roethlisberger's 39 and has had several elbow surgeries, and I am worried that everyone just assumes that this is going to be the Ben of old and it's not going to be. And we're going to like figure that like week three or four is going to come around and he's going to continue to be crappy. And then I think there's like the whole Steelers franchise could shift and they could enter panic mode. But that's the gamble I guess you have to take. Yeah. Well, to be clear, I'm still not, I, I still don't like Roethlisberger as like a top 10 quarterback or a starting quarterback for fantasy. But I think that it doesn't take him being as good as he was in 2018 when he led the league in passing yards 
for Juju to be getting 150, 160 targets. And I think there is a weird middle ground where Roethlisberger and is not the guy we've seen in the past, but that Juju eats such a high volume of his offense, he goes back to where we thought he might be around last year. And then also, I think that Connor, the offense can still be better. I think whether they're passing more and the overall offense is better or they stick to running more and Connor's getting the ball, there's a middle ground between the Steelers being not the second worst team in football and offense and them still not being as great as Roethlisberger was two years ago. Connor could end up being weirdly safe and could be like a really steady (laughs) RB2 on your team. That's exactly what I'm saying. The other guy in this offense that I think is very interesting is Deontay Johnson, who's going into his I love Deontay second Johnson. season. He quietly led rookies in catches last season. So that was... It, he led the NFL in average separation on next-gen stats. Yeah, he's getting open. I mean, obviously, part of that is the fact that he plays in the slot a lot. So, you know, he's, he's facing off coverage and he's running, you know, these routes against zone looks and stuff like that. So there's factors that go into that. But that does not take away from the fact that I think he's a good player. I think he's a very dynamic player. Um, and he showed a lot as a rookie. And this, he did all of that, you know, as a rookie with, like we said, with those terrible quarterbacks. You know, at times he was out, he was out playing Juju Smith-Schuster. So I think he's got, a, he's got a really high ceiling too, you know, assuming this offense kind of takes a jump back to where we thought they were going to be last year. And so um, right now you can get him. He's the overall wide receiver 40 or he's the wide receiver 42 overall 117. So you can get him late in drafts. Yeah, he's just the next in line of Pittsburgh wide receivers who yeah. are going to end up working out. And I think Claypool and uh, Washington could end up, it depends on kind of how that that you know competition shakes out. They could kind of start eating into each other's production a little bit. But I think Johnson's kind of got his role laid out this season. I think he's going to, you know, it's going to be very, very fun to see how he develops because He's quietly one of the best receivers, uh, rookie receivers last year. Craig, who's your next dude? Robert Woods on the Rams. So Bobby Trees? Bobby Trees. Love this one. Craig, I was going to do these same two. I had Robert Woods and Allen Robinson on my list. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well, they're mine. Uh, <laughs> in 2019, Robert Woods saw 139 targets. Cooper Cup, 134. They both had about 1,150 yards. And one had 90 catches and the other had 94. So they pretty much had exactly the same season, but Cooper Cup was the wide receiver four in PPR and Robert Woods was the wide receiver 14. And the reason is Cooper Cup had 10 touchdowns and Robert Woods had two receiving. He had one rushing as well. Um, Before this year, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup scored the exact same amount of receiving touchdowns in the Goff-McVay era, which is 11. And last year, Cup had 18 red zone targets and Robert Woods had half of that, yet Cup had five times more touchdowns. Cooper Cup is getting drafted as the wide receiver 14 and Robert Woods is the wide receiver 21. And I don't know why. This just absolutely screams regression. Robert Woods, no player, had a larger expected touchdown differential per yardage gained than Robert Woods. And that was a sharp football analysis stat. Robert Woods played 100 more snaps than Cooper Cup last year, not to mention he rushed the ball 17 times for over 100 yards and a touchdown. And the cherry on top is Brandon Cooks is gone. So I think Robert Woods is a steal. Yeah, why is he... Is it because he's a little older? What is the deal here? He's like the girl who doesn't know he's beautiful yet. He's he's just the least interesting, really high upside person. Because you think of there's he's like traditionally been seen as like a very safe person in a good offense that isn't going to be a, a league winner, but he's going to have a decently high floor because of the offense. Now it's in the weird spot where it's actually the opposite, where the departure of Cooks and then also the as everything Craig just said, he is this high upside. But who the hell thinks of Robert Woods as a high upside dude? 
So I love this. I think this is fantastic. Yeah. Slow starters in their careers tend to carry like a stigma, I think. And it really translates to the ADP. It really translates to, you know, just the overall perception of a player. Robert Woods didn't go over a thousand yards until his fifth season. And no, sixth season. A key point here is also that when the Rams started turning their tight ends, Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett toward the end of the season, those targets generally came away from Cooper Cup, not yes. Robert Woods. And if they use the right. tight end position more in 2020, Robert Woods' targets are probably safer than Cooper Cup, even though you're probably going to have to take Cup ahead of Woods. So I love this pick, Greg. They're absolutely going to run more two tight end sets, like at least more than relative like to what they were doing in 2018, where it was like 96% 11 personnel. This year, they're going to definitely, I think, use both um, Gerald Everett, and Higby on the field a lot because both of those guys are really, really good and they traded Brandon Cook. So it just absolutely makes sense. DK, next, who's your next guy? Who are you planning a flag on? Adam Thielen of the Vikings. I was also going to pick him, DK. Yeah, I, we're on the same way. I also love, yeah, Thielen's just an amazing pick this year. He's the clear cut number one in that offense now. I think Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, their first round pick is going to be a factor, obviously. I don't think he's necessarily going to blow up and catch 100-plus balls in a rookie season. I think he'll be very good as a rookie, and he will be a fantasy factor. But I think Thielen is far and away the clear-cut number one in that offense, especially if we have a truncated offseason, which it's looking like it's going to be at least somewhat truncated because of COVID. And I think that means Kirk Cousins going to lean hard on kind of that established connection uh, with his top receiver. Adam Thielen was injured for a good portion of last season with a with a hamstring injury, which obviously, not, even when you're in, it can affect you. Like You, you just don't have the explosion that you typically have, the, the short area burst. Um, last year, he missed six games with a hamstring injury. He Otherwise, though, he's been pretty healthy the last couple of seasons. He played 16 games both 2017 and 2018. Right now, he is the wide receiver 11, 31st overall per fantasy pros in PPR. And with Stefan Diggs gone, I think he has a chance to kind of get back to at least closer to the numbers he was putting up in, in both 2018 and 2017 when he was the receiver 7 and 8, respectively. So in, in 2018, he had 153 targets, 113 catches, 1,373 yards, 9 touchdowns. You know, I remember there was there was sections there where he was just looking like he was going to break all kinds of records. He, he obviously didn't keep up that track, but this guy has very top-end volume potential in an offense with a good quarterback. You know, Kirk Cousins is kind of the butt of a lot of jokes, but he's a good quarterback, good, you know, good Craig, Kirk Cousins downfield. deserves every joke that's ever been said about him. I'm not, I'm not saying he doesn't. But. Second of all, <laughs> divisional name game here. Adam, would you rather have Adam Thielen on the Vikings? Well, well, I'm just listing the teams, but for talking for fantasy. Adam Thielen on the Vikings or Allen Robinson, the Bears? I think if I was if I really had to choose between the two for in redraft, I might go Thielen just because I trust the quarterback situation more. Adam Thielen or Kenny Galladay? I mean, those are all yeah, these are all like right in the same tier, huh? Um Thielen, I think, because Galladay, as much as I love Galladay and I think he's got huge upside, uh, he's due for some pretty massive touchdown regression this season. He he relied heavily on touchdowns last year and he could regress in that area. Cool. Craig. But they're all in the another same guy. Tier. They're all in the same tier. I just love all these wide receiver two guys this year so much. Like the the like wide receiver eleven to like seventeen group, I just think is great. And my next guy is Calvin Ridley on the Falcons. Um, last year in PPR leagues, he was the wide receiver twenty seven. Is what he finished the year as. But he only played thirteen games. He averaged the, as the wide receiver nineteen on a points per game 
basis. And he was on pace for almost 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns on 114 targets, which would have made him the wide receiver 14. So the Falcons didn't do anything in the draft to threaten his target share. They traded Mohamed Sanu midseason last year, and they lost Austin Hooper to Cleveland, and they added Hayden Hurst, who at this point is kind of an unknown commodity. Ridley averaged almost 18 PPR points per game over his six games without Mohamed Sanu last year and had games of 143 yards and a touchdown, 85 yards and a touchdown, and 90 yards when Austin Hooper was out last year. So the Falcons with Dirk Cutter throw a ton. Last year, they threw the ball the most in the NFL. And Julio's 31. He has a history of foot injuries. I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff. Danny Heifetz and I talked about this last week. He's probably not going to. Oh, you dare just throw in Julio's history of foot injuries. I'm just saying, like, God forbid he does go down. You'll win your league if you have Calvin Ridley. It doesn't Ridley. matter because it, there's no one behind them, as you just That's said. It's it. Julio, Calvin Ridley, and, and, and like Russell Gage. He's a beautiful cross point of high ceiling and high floor. He scores yeah. a lot of touchdowns. He's the second option in a massively high-octane offense, and he could have an unlimited potential. So Craig's on a run here because I think the three guys he's highlighted so far, A-Rob, Robert Woods, and Ridley, and I'll throw in Thielen from UDK. I think these are guys who are going to be ranked like somewhere between five and for some of these guys, maybe 10 spots higher when we get to like mid-August as compared to where we are now in May. But I, I think that you're dead on about Ridley. Uh, I just wanted to throw in, I actually have listed Hayden Hurst, who you glossed over. I, I So Hayden Hurst is actually the tight end that will go forever be known as the guy that Ravens drafted in the first round before Lamar Jackson. And then they had all these tight ends, so they flipped him <laughs> to like Atlanta. like the third string tight end. Yeah. I know, he, their third string tight end. So then Atlanta traded the second rounder they got from New England in the Mohamed Sanu trade. They flipped it to Baltimore, God knows why, for Hayden Hurst to slot in as their tight end because they lost Austin Hooper to Cleveland. Stay with me here. The point is that now Atlanta's offense is Julio's their number one. Ridley's their number two. Russell, uh, Russell Gage is their number three. Are we supposed to believe? Gurley's their running back. And then Matt Ryan is going to be throwing somewhere between a top eight and maybe a top four a number of pass attempts this season. And I think that considering that Austin Hooper for Atlanta last year was the sixth best tight end and right now, Hayden Hurst is being drafted as the 18th tight end. This was a no-brainer. I'm not in love with the fact that it's a guy on a new team, which I'm docking for this year. I'm not in love that he's not going to get all these reps in Atlanta's system. But I'm making it. I'm, I'm making. I'm more than willing to bet on the upside, considering Hayden Hurst is one of the last guys you'll be able to add to your bench, and he might be able to have like a top five, top six tight end season. Yeah, is he going to be like the Darren Waller of the season? Probably. The Falcons threw the ball the most last year. Who's catching the passes? Exactly. Yeah. And the larger point here is that. Don't draft Mark Andrews. You know what I mean? You're not trying to draft the third, fourth, or fifth tight end this season because they were really good last year. You want to find this year's Mark Andrews. You want to find the guy who is going to, out of nowhere, become a top 10, maybe a top five tight end. And to me, Hayden Hurst is that. I can see a case for like Blake Jarwin in Dallas, but I, if you just look at the math, Hayden Hurst is the obvious candidate here. And they flipped a second rounder for him, so he's going to play. But I love Calvin Ridley, too. I think for the, all the same reasons, he makes a ton of sense. All right, DK, give us another guy. All right, so I'm going to group two guys together. I'm going to start off with the receiver. Marvin Jones from Detroit is another player whose ADP just really doesn't make sense based on what he's done in the past, his performance over the last few years. He's kind of in that Robbie uh, Robert Woods tier, I think, in terms of just wildly underrated players. <laughs> he, right now, he is the receiver 36, 82nd overall of her Fantasy Pros consensus ADP. 
Through 14 weeks last year, Jones was a high-end wide receiver too. He was a wide receiver 16 overall, which included five games with David Blau and Jeff Driscoll at quarterback. So Good times. Through 14 weeks, he was the wide receiver 16, which is right behind Julio Jones. And no one ever really seems to talk about Marvin Jones. They kind of forget about him for whatever reason. He finished last season with 91 targets, 62 catches, 779 yards, and nine touchdowns. And going back even further, he's basically been a mid to low end receiver too, you know, basically over the last three seasons when he's healthy. And you're getting him so late. I think he's just going to be a really, really good value if he can stay healthy this year. I believe in not only Jones's talent, but the the Lions passing game, I think, is going to be um, something that you can get a lot of value out of this year. And, and to that point, I'm going with back-to-back guys here. I'm going with Matthew Stafford as kind of like my favorite late-round quarterback pick this year. Well, why do you believe in the Lions passing game so much? Just based on what they were able to do last year, uh, you know, with in the first half of the year before Matthew Stafford got hurt, they were on pace. Stafford was on pace to like, if he would have kept his pace, he would have led the NFL in touchdown passes. He right now is the QB 13 going at 99th overall. So you can get him, you know, in the mid to late rounds, 10th round if in 10 team leagues. So I just think he has a chance to finish as like a top five quarterback this year. Um, through nine weeks last season, he was a QB six. I I actually am a big believer in Daryl Bevel's offense in terms of what he can do in manufacturing chunk plays. It's perfect fit for Matthew Stafford's skill set, which is, you know, he's got elite arm talent, very good deep passer. He actually threw 20 plus yard passes per PFF on 19% of his throws um, through nine weeks, which was easily tops in the league among regular starters in that stretch. Yeah, the Lions um, were throwing the ball as deep as anybody except the Buccaneers. Like, it's really the Lions and the Bucks were in the, I believe, were maybe the only two teams whose average pass was more than 10 yards. So, obviously, first down. Yeah. So, the Lions' average pass was crossing the sticks. Yeah. By distance, so, the dink and dunk him. style that we kind of saw him fall into under Jim Bob Cooter, that is gone. I, I And Bevel did the same thing with Russell Wilson for all the years he was in Seattle. They were running the ball and play action, deep shots. And I think that behooves... Jones and Galladay, both of those guys are like perfect skill sets for that. They're going to be running a ton of 12 personnel with two tight ends on this field. So Jones and Galladay are going to eat up a lot of the volume, I think, in the passing game. So really that trio I like a lot. Um, and like I said, Stafford was on pace to be the QB6, you know, overall. Right now you can get him way later than that. I think the defense is going to be bad again for, for the Lions, which means they could get into some <laughs> shootouts this year. So... Yeah, it just to me all the all the variables kind of add up. If Stafford can stay healthy, and I mean honestly, look, we've we've seen Stafford do it in the past, like in the days of Calvin Johnson. You know, like he was he was putting up prolific fantasy numbers, and so um, he's somehow only like thirty one years old too. I think he's on pace to break like every passing record in the NFL history. Yeah, so the dude can the dude can he can you know he can put up prolific numbers when he when he needs to. We haven't seen it over the last few seasons because Cooter kind of held that offense back and, and turned him into a dink and dunker, but um, I think the Stafford of old was back last year, and I think we'll see it again this season. All right, so DK, you're in on the Lions. You're in on Thielen. You're in on Kenyon Drake. You're in on Tyreek Hill. If you could only pick one of those, if you're going into a draft, and each in their respective rounds of where they're going now, which is your favorite value of that group? That's a good question. So my favorite value... Is probably Jones. I think he's the biggest value. I think realistically, Jones around 80th overall or so. Yeah, realistically though, you can go into drafts and I think you can pretty much get Thielen if you want to reach a little bit. 
you know, you're not always going to get, you're not always going to get Tyree kill. Cause he might go before, if you're like the, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th pick in the draft, you might not have a choice, but I think you can reach a little bit and get Thielen in every draft. So I think I'm going to have a lot of Thielen. Craig, who else you got? So I really like Darren Waller again this year. And I, I don't think he's a <laughs> league winner or anything like that. So he doesn't kind of like what DK did with Tyreek Hill. Like, I just think that this year, Darren Waller is probably going to fall as the months go on and we get closer to drafting just because I don't really know why. Maybe it's he's boring. He wasn't flashy last year. Didn't have a lot of touchdowns. He's on the Raiders. But he's a top well, four they added, tight end. They added, I think people are going to be worried they added some guys too, which actually I think could help him. I agree. So th- he was a top four tight end in pretty much like every format in 2019. But he left so much meat on the bone. He had 90 catches for 1,145 yards and three touchdowns, and he only had 11 red zone targets, which was the same amount as Zach Pascal and CJ Uzoma. Oh, my God. So the tight ends last year, Yikes. the tight ends last year with the same amount or more touchdowns than Darren Waller in 2019. There's 29 of those people. <laughs> including Foster Moreau, who's on the Raiders, yeah. Demetrius Harris, and Caden Smith. All of those people, 29 of them, had more of the same amount of touchdowns as Darren Waller. The people with more targets than Darren Waller are Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz. Tight ends with more Waller? Yeah, okay. The tight ends with more targets than Darren Waller. Ertz and Kelsey. So, like, yeah. there's just an obvious inconsistency that's going to come into the middle. Darren Waller was fourth in yards per route run last year, which is like one of the stickiest tight end stats out there. And he was number one in DYAR, which is like a cool DVOA side stat for receivers. That's what all the kids are saying. Yeah, it's basically just means like the gap between him and a replacement level tight end was the largest in the league. And yes, the Raiders, they did a lot of work. They got Ruggs, that guy, Brian Edwards. They have Nelson Aguilar. And Darren Waller did do better without Hunter Renfro this year. But I just mm. see Waller and Carr's bond as one of the strongest in the league between quarterbacks and tight ends. And I think that is huge, especially this year. And I think rookie wide receivers... Maybe it had a good year last year, but I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's really hard to have a good year as a rookie wide receiver, especially this year. So I'm just going to bank on Darren Waller and Derek Carr's bond, and that his tight ends or that his touchdowns will regress to the. As, as long as Carr is in Oakland, yeah, I want I want Waller shares he because he peppers him. Yeah, he that's like his game, and obviously they they added rugs, they added you know some weapons in the draft, but I think at the end it's of the not day, like they added like, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean. Ruggs is, uh, you know, Ruggs was a low volume guy at, at Alabama. He may end up being a low volume guy in, you know, in Oakland he could, or in Las Vegas. I think the the thing that I think is very interesting too is John Gruden had said, I think he said after the draft that they want to run a lot of two and three tight end sets. Like he's still John Gruden, you know, he still wants to do the, all the old school stuff that they do all the time. Um, and you, you nailed, I think you, you alluded to it where, Waller's stats definitely fell off when Hunter Renfro was getting like peppered, like you said, with pep- peppered with just little short passes over the middle of the field. But in 12 and 13 personnel, um, he's going to be off the field. Like they're going to have Waller is going to be like the number one guy. They'll have Foster Moreau blocking whoever else is, you know, at that tight end for them blocking. And then having like Waller will be like the number one target on like, you know, he'll run up the seam he'll, on play action, all that stuff. So I think he's still going to have a big, big part of this offense. And like you said, he's due for positive regression in the touchdown. So this year, I, I'm less bullish on him in in Dynasty just because I think that the car thing is a big variable. But as long as Carr is in Oakland, 
I, I'm, I'm wanting all of Waller. I love it. Craig, you got anyone else? Any other late tight ends if Waller's gone? I have an irrational love for Mike Gesicki on the Dolphins. <laughs> Is it because he jumps over people? Yeah, I just, he's a freak. <laughs> Volley, volleyball player. Yeah, he's, is he? I didn't know that. I think he was. Mike Gesicki is my favorite hurdler in the NFL because whereas most people jump over people to go forward, Mike Gesicki will jump over a player if he's going sideways, but just because he wants to do it, even if he does not gain yardage. Yeah, it's like Fournette seeking out people to tackle him. He seeks out people to hurdle. <laughs> Exactly. Um, just, I mean, he's like undoubtedly one of the most athletic tight ends in the league. He was the tight end 28 the first half of the season and the tight end seven the second half. And he had the third most touchdowns in the second half of the season. And he really f- finished quite strong. And, and, and even his season-long stats, he was fourth in air yards, second in average depth of target, eighth in red zone targets, and third in end zone targets. I mean, it's like, it's all right there. The obvious question is, Tua Fitzpatrick, how's that going to go? But I think Kasiki's surge in the second half of the season is just worth a shot. I mean, he yeah. also plays tons of snaps. There's only two wide, uh, tight ends who played more receiving snaps than him in the whole league, and it was Kelsey and Ertz, and then it's Kasiki. So he's on the field for almost every passing down running routes, and he's a freak, and it's worth. I think it's worth a stab. The only thing that I worry about with Kasiki, and I don't, I don't disagree with you. I, I like Kasiki. I think it's his upside. He's extremely athletic. I did look it up while you're talking. He was a big time high school volleyball star. Mm. Um, imagine getting like spiked by that guy. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but the only thing I worry about with him and Devontae Parker is both of those guys kind of blew up in this offense after Preston Williams got injured. Okay. All I read about is Preston Williams, Torres ACL, and then the whole Dolphins took off. And it's the reason everyone is good is because of Preston fucking Williams. No, it's just the volume thing. Yeah. I don't it's, know. He's going to cut into their overall. Bottom okay. line. I, he, he's undrafted, undrafted free agent coming off a torn ACL. I know. I know. That's I don't know. That's, I don't know if I'm gonna let that deter me too much. But I maybe. have a big it doesn't seem like you're gonna you guys. <laughs> I have a big picture question for you guys. Yeah. Looking at this list, yeah. We have a lot of receivers, not that many running backs, a handful of tight ends. But for the most part, this list of guys who we have staked our claim to, guys we want to leave our drafts with because we are higher on them than everyone else are wide receivers. This matches the general trend across fantasy this year where there's a lot of receivers middle round that seem to be really good values. Does that mean there is a higher premium this year on getting a great, reliable running back? Like whether it's McCaffrey, Zeke yeah. Elliott, Saquon, Kamar. Like is, the, is it more important this year than it has been in the past because receivers are so deep? Yeah. Yeah. In a word, yeah. I think right now... I mean, I've, I've heard people talking about how, um, I think Ryan McDowell actually said this on Twitter, like there, we could get back to a point where all 12 first round picks are, are running backs <laughs> because there are just so few true bell cow running backs in the NFL right now. You have to get that guy early on, especially in redraft where, you know, you're not going to be able to like pick some random dude and, and hope that he turns out, like hope that he develops or whatever. You're going to be banking on an injury, which... You know, they come, they happen at the running back position. But um, yeah, I think like the McCaffrey's, Barkley's, Elliott's, Cooks, like I love all those guys this year. But if you're not a top five pick, you might not get them. So, and I think there's, there's a, there's a handful of running backs that I'm just terrified of this year. Sorry, Lenny Florence is one of them. I'm a little bit worried about Aaron Jones this year. You know, yeah, Chris Carson, Melvin Gordon. It's not great. Yeah. So I think. Gurley, David Johnson. I mean, it just goes on and on. There's a massive, massive cliff after the top tier running backs. 
And so I think they're absolutely going to be a run on those guys early on. Hi, Fitz. I'm surprised one of your guys for this episode wasn't Le'Veon. Uh, I think they, well, I think they signed Gore between our recording last week and then, and then us doing this today. I thought Gore had already signed. Maybe oh, not. well, oops. I thought you were just I mean, no, in. I think that Le'Veon, I, I, I don't love Le'Veon because I thought about putting him on here. I ultimately decided against it. I also thought about putting David Johnson on here, and then I decided it was I. insane because of the 18 carries <laughs> in the second half of the season. But I still love him. I just—he's not one of my guys. You he's guys like, are—you guys—it's going to be me against you guys for David Johnson. I'm I'll probably say. take him first. Yeah, you overall. can keep your Kenyon Drake. All right, <laughs> let's get out of here. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you to all of our guys. Appreciate it. Thank you to everyone listening. <laughs> Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace.